Good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this July 4th weekend. I heard about this man, and he was walking up to a little country store, and he saw a little boy who was sitting there, and he was sitting there by the front door with this huge dog sitting next to him. Have you ever seen these huge dogs? I mean, they look like a horse, you know? My kids see these huge dogs and they call them horse dogs, (laughs) you know? So it's one of those dogs, just gigantic. And the man said to the boy, son, does your dog bite? And he said, no, sir. My dog does not bite. The man reached down to pet the dog, and the dog actually bit him and would not let go, tore into his arm and practically ripped his arm off. The man was finally able to free his arm, and he said, Son, I thought you told me that your dog didn't bite. And the little boy said, Well, that's not my dog. Miscommunication can cause a lot of problems when it comes to having peace, having peace in our lives. You know, I think that's something we all yearn for, peace, tranquility, joy, contentment. Do you feel like you have it today in your life? Today my theme is the peace formula, and I'm talking about the peace that only our Lord and Savior can give us as a people, the peace that only our Lord and Savior can give us as a nation. In Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30, that's where my focus will be, specifically verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry burdens, and I will give you rest. Let's face it, we're all carrying some type of burden or burdens this morning. Every time we come into church, we have some burdens, don't we? And we have burdens that we carry with us throughout the week. They can be burdens of dealing with bills, dealing with a relationship, dealing with things at the office that are driving us crazy. And and we feel this great weight upon our shoulders. We can also feel the burden of our sins, wrong choices that we've made, decisions that were wrong, things that we said that were out of line, things that we thought that we should have never thought. And the list goes on of our burdens with sin. We can also, this July 4th weekend, come here to the house of the Lord with the burdens of our nation. We look at our economy. We look at terrorism. We look at wars around the world. We look at the direction our country has been going down for some time running away from Christian principles, and we wonder what's going on. And we feel those burdens, those burdens that are real. 
And so Jesus tells us that he is there to lift our burdens. And he's there to give us true peace, which can only come through him. As I said in the children's message, Jesus invaded our world at that first Christmas in Bethlehem. It was a love invasion. And it was to change our world and to give our world freedom from sin, death, and the devil. That's the greatest freedom we could ever have. But how many people really understand that freedom today? How many people know it and the peace that it can give? You know, this past weekend, I'm sure we ate a lot of food. We had a lot of celebrations. And we're celebrating what God has done for us in the United States of America. Let's face it, even with all of our problems in this nation, we are still the greatest nation in the world. Now, that's not because of the generosity of the government or the generosity of the state. It's because of the hands of the Lord. He is the giver of all good things. Do we remember that this time of year? Do we thank God for that this time of year? I wonder, as a nation, as generation and generation has gone on, if we're moving further away from the principles our founding fathers thought were so dear. Now, not all of our founding fathers were Christian. However, many of them and most of them were. Some of them were deists, and a deist believes that there is a God, but they don't believe that God is active in our world today. Of course, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that our God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And Jesus even says, I am with you always, even until the end of time. But the founding fathers all agreed on this, that the best way for a country to be developed, to grow, to run, to govern itself is with Christian principles. So why are we running away from those principles today? And why are other nations running to Christian principles? That's the great paradox I see in our world today. Do you see it? We are abandoning those Christian principles Why other nations seem to be embracing them. As Jesus wept over Jerusalem and how they had turned from him and how they would turn from him, I believe Jesus weeps for our land as we move further away from him. Our Lord wants us to turn to him. Are you turning to him? I think many people forget about uh, the religious freedom that our founding fathers wanted. They wanted peace. Not just domestic peace and world peace, but they wanted spiritual peace. The freedom to gather, the freedom to worship. 
You've heard that saying, freedom is not free. It was at great cost and price that our founding fathers and others took the risk to win us freedom. Does anybody know how many people signed the Declaration of Independence? Anybody? No? A little trivia. 56 people signed it for one reason, freedom. Do you think those 56 people risked their lives by signing that declaration? You better believe it. Because if it didn't work out, guess who would be in the front line of being shot or hung? All 56 of those men. They took that risk for freedom, for peace. Just listen to the words from the Declaration of Independence, which, by the way, when the Declaration of Independence was written, and while it was being written, the Founding Fathers had been studying, guess what? The Scriptures. They were well read in the Bible. Listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those words have helped make our nation great and have changed the world. You know, how many of you have been to Washington, D.C. and, and gone around there and you, you've seen the monuments? And I mean, that's awe-inspiring. And if you go around Washington, D.C., you can't help but, but see what these men and women did to win us freedom and peace. If you go inside the Capitol, you see all of these sayings that have God in there, or Bible verses. There's even a chapel in the, in the uh, capital that people can go to, and there's a picture of George Washington, our first president, on his knees praying to the Lord. Wow. I'm glad they really stuck it on there really good, because if they didn't, I think somebody would have taken it down by now. It may offend somebody. <laughs> And then if you were to go to the Washington Monument, at the very top of the Washington Monument, it's written in Latin, but the English translation is this, praise be to God. Again, I'm glad nobody wrote, and wrote it in pencil. <laughs> Would have been erased. Also at the Washington Monument, and this is really neat, and I just found this out the other day, that the Founding Fathers took a copy of the Bible. They took a copy of the U.S. Uh, Constitution, a copy of the Declaration of Independence, and they buried it there in the foundation of the Washington Monument. Isn't that something? I think that's very powerful. If you go to the Lincoln Memorial, which is awe-inspiring. By the way, Abraham Lincoln was a man of the Lord. 
During the darkest days of the Civil War, it was not uncommon for him to be on his knees praying in his office. There have been written accounts as he saw smoke billowing outside of his office. He would be moved to tears and he would drop to his knees asking the Lord for guidance. That's powerful. Then there's the Jefferson Memorial. If you've been to the Jefferson Memorial, Thomas Jefferson, he said this, and it's on the memorial, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Freedom. Peace. And then if you've been to the Supreme Court, guess what's posted just about everywhere you go in the Supreme Court? The Ten Commandments. And every day the Supreme Court is opened up with the marshal saying this, God save the U.S. and this honorable court. Wow. How ironic that the Supreme Court of today seems to be saying at every turn, oh, you can't put the Ten Commandments up here. And, but yet it's, it's right above the Chief Justice's chair. Again, I'm glad they put it up pretty good. It's hard to take down. But yet, even with all of these things, our Lord wants us to continue to pray for our nation and our leaders. Let's face it, they have a tough job. The president has a tough job. Congress has a tough job. Our governors have a tough job. But it starts with seeking the Lord. I'm reading the book of Amos in my devotions, and in Amos chapter 5, the Lord says, Seek me, and you will live and prosper. That's what I pray our leaders, our nation will do. We'll seek the Lord and live and thus prosper. 1 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, Pray for kings and leaders and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So what's the peace formula? What's the peace formula for our nation and all the many things that we're facing? What is it? It starts with repentance. I love 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It says this, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Well, you know, you talk about the ills of our nation and the things that face us, and it can be a pretty daunting task to think about how to change things. So how does restoration and change begin? It begins at home. It begins at the dinner table. That's where change starts. Joshua 24, verse 15 says, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
Is your family serving the Lord? Are you seeking Him? Are you following Him? Are you teaching God's Word and Christian principles to your children? To your grandchildren? That's how a nation changes. One person, one family at a time. And then we will experience peace, joy, contentment. And just because we follow Christ and we put him first doesn't mean that everything's always going to be hunky-dory. In fact, that's when we can really be put to the test. But yet we are comforted that Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll take care of you. Just put him first. The first commandment. You shall have no other gods. But yet we've created so many false gods in this nation, haven't we? We've put materialism first. We've put arrogance first. Where people will put everything that they have in front of God. And people will even say, well, it's my body. Even our, our bodies don't belong to us. They belong to who? To the Lord. Our Lord wants us to go back to him. And there's time to go back to him. As families, as people, as a nation. You know, talking about our families... I think one of the best things you can do is make sure you're in church on Sundays. You want peace in your family? It may be anything but peace getting ready to come to church in the morning, but once you're here, you're going to experience peace. Are you bringing your children to Sunday school? Are you looking for opportunities to serve our Lord here? Are you looking for opportunities to serve our community and reach out to others to whom much is given much is expected Martin Luther the great founder of our Lutheran church body he struggled with having peace in his life and it was a spiritual peace that he was struggling with it's only when he searched the scriptures and saw Jesus Christ and his love and his mercy and his grace just all throughout the scriptures that he ever received that peace. Luther saw three great teachings. We call them in Latin the three solas. Sola fides, sola scriptura, and sola gratia. Faith alone, scripture alone, grace alone. So let's talk about faith alone. How can that give you peace? How can that lift your burdens? Well, faith is knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that he is your rescuer no matter what you face. And faith is a gift. And it's a gift that we should all take hold of and never let go of. How is your faith life? 
Do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? That he died on the cross for you? That he rose to life for you? And then what about the scriptures? Sometimes we wonder what we should do, where we should go. We wonder what the answers of life are. And all the answers of life are contained right here in this book. All 66 books that make up the scriptures. This is not an antiquated, archaic document. It's meant to be right there in our lives every day, pointing us to Jesus, also serving as a guide for our lives. And then there's grace, grace alone. God's undeserved love. Even though we don't deserve his goodness, yet he bestows it upon us anyway. I love... Romans 5, verses 8 through 11. Listen to these verses. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Wow. Jesus didn't wait until we were all good and perfect before he gave his life for us. He came for us while we were imperfect. That says a lot about him. And because Jesus did that for us, he has won us freedom, the greatest freedom we can have, and that's spiritual freedom. We no longer have those shackles on of sin, death, and the devil that will condemn us to hell. Jesus has earned us salvation. He's earned us heaven. And the Bible says that Heaven is our real home. Our citizenship is there. We're temporary dwellers here. We belong there with him. But isn't that neat that we've been made friends with God? I love that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I mean, I can sing that every Sunday probably. Don't worry, we won't. <laughs> but I, I love these words right here. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Again, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you going to the Lord in prayer? For peace? For rest? For freedom? God loves you so much, he wants to hear from you. And prayer is one of those wonderful ways that 
we can communicate with our loving and forgiving Heavenly Father. The peace formula at all points towards one main ingredient, and it's Jesus. You need that ingredient. I need that ingredient for that peace formula called Jesus Christ. Our nation needs that ingredient. I want to challenge you in your prayer time to pray for our nation. To pray for our president and our elected officials. God has given us government. Romans 13 says that no one rules except those governing authorities that God has allowed to rule. And so we want to pray for our leaders, even though we may not have voted for them. We want to pray God's wisdom upon them. And then another thing is to be active in our world today with events that cross God's word. Because this is what guides our lives. And the Bible says it's better to obey God rather than men. So pray for our nation. Pray for those who serve our country so well, our military, police, fire, EMTs. Thank God for the peace that they bring to our community and that they help keep. I thank the Lord for our nation. We've been blessed. But I believe there are greater blessings in store for a nation that seeks the Lord and puts him first.